Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and happy middle of July. I hope you're having a joy-filled summer. We've been talking with guests on the podcast this month about living with joy and laughter, even during some overwhelming times. And if you want to know more about what we've been talking about, check out previous podcasts or visit the Clarity 2020 tab at the top of my website page at JanelleWood.com. Every month, I put together a set of reflective questions to go just a little deeper with each month's topic, and it makes me happy when people sign up to get those, so please check those out. Today's guest, you guys, it's like this. Have you ever found yourself on Christmas morning super anxious to have a loved one open the gift you prepared because you're just so excited to give it to them? Maybe it's the perfect thing for them? Well, that's how I feel about today's podcast episode. This conversation you're about to hear made me feel lighter, happier, and honestly just excited as a follower of Christ. It lifted me up. And who else needs some laughter and lifting up right now? (laughs) So I am thrilled to be able to offer this podcast episode to you today to laugh along with, hear some deep truths, and I just pray you'll relax while listening to it. Today's guest is doing awesome things. You can find links to a lot of what he's doing in the show notes on my website. And if you love this podcast episode as much as I do, please subscribe and share. And I hope you enjoy part one of a two-part conversation with a man that I truly believe will make you laugh out loud. Enjoy, friend. Woohoo, we're recording. <laughs> Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And I'm super excited about this uh, particular podcast episode. I'm excited about all of them, but I'm super excited about this one. Um, we have been talking about finding joy and laughter, even in the midst of what feels often like overwhelming times. And this is just a fun month. So today's guest is someone that I am actually like super excited just to have a conversation with. So um, our guest today is a comedian on a mission. He says he doesn't live to make you laugh. He makes you laugh to help you live. 
I love that, by the way. <laughs> He's a husband and the father of six six children, God bless you, <laughs> and a teaching pastor for a church in Seattle, Washington. His warm personality and impeccable comedic timing has made him a favorite at comedy clubs, churches, businesses, and in front of students and members of the armed forces. That's awesome. He was once voted Seattle's favorite comedian and has been featured on Focus on the Family's Date Night Challenge, Trinity Broadcast Network, and the Date Night Comedy Tour. Jason has performed throughout the country and abroad. What a gift to talk to him today and welcome him to the Finding Something Real podcast. Please welcome Jason Earls. Jason, yeah. welcome. What's happening? <laughs> so good to be here on this oh. podcast. What's happening? Um. Everybody's listening. Woo-hoo. <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited about this. I, I mentioned before we got started that um, someone I greatly admire, Kathy Lip, had shared something you had shared um, a yeah. few weeks ago. And it was, you know, it wasn't comedy. It was actually you addressing some hard things, but it was done in such love and there was joy even in the midst of that that thing. And so I just thought, whoever that is, man, it would be fantastic to get to know him better. And then I started looking at some of your stuff and you are so funny. Thank <laughs> you. Thought, you got to be on here. So that's, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. When my daughter says, dad, you funny. I said, I hope so. That's how you eat. <laughs> <laughs> Did you always know you wanted to be a comedian? You know what? No, to be honest, I, I, I can look back now and i did this thing called a life map and was shocked of how much being uh or the comedy journey had been part of my life since i was little but there was a moment um in middle school that's when i knew i was really funny but then once i told my dad i wanted to be a comedian instead of going to college he laughed and said boy you funny I'm going to take you behind the college. <laughs> so I kind of gave that up. And then once I got to grad school, I re- really rediscovered that I actually could really do this. And that's mm. when I started. So boom. Wow. So my husband is a middle school principal and he works uh, with, you know, funny kids all the time. How did you know you were funny? So I just, so I never was the smartest guy. And y'all will probably figure this out in that park in this podcast. <laughs> I never was uh, the most athletic. Uh, I, I never was the greatest musician in the band. But one thing I knew that I was good at, and that was making people laugh. It mm. like I knew I was one of the best, and that's what I was like, man, I'm funny. And one day, <laughs> this girl in the hallway laughed. She like, Jason, you funny. I was like, I know it. I know it. <laughs> you're right. I'm glad you recognize. Oh my gosh. Did you get in trouble from teachers and were No. My parents had this thing called a a belt. Oh. So uh <laughs> so I just I was always afraid of getting in trouble, especially and that's part of part of why it showed up late in life. Cuz looking back, I would sit beside the class clown in first grade and I would tell him what to do. I wouldn't do it so I wouldn't get in trouble. Oh my gosh, that's funny. (laughs) But, you know, I did start getting in a little bit of trouble. Just, you know, just learning self-discipline and how to harness this amazing, powerful thing called uh, the ability to make people laugh. Wow. 
Well, I heard that you can't really make people laugh unless you are super intelligent. So I think that it's uh, <laughs> it's definitely a gift. It's a gift. Um, I watched a video of you doing some stand-up comedy recently, and you were probably in front of 2,000 people. I mean, it was a huge, mm. it looked like a, a very large crowd. Um, it made me anxious just looking at it. And then your timing was so just as I shared in the intro, impeccable. It was right on, which, you know, I've I've watched enough comedians to know that not every comedian has that kind of timing. And then also you were so comfortable. It mm. felt like that was just your like sweet spot to be in front of all these people. Is that really what's going on? Or when you first did stand up, um, would you share a little bit about your journey in that? Because I think people think, oh, I'm funny, but I could never do that ever. I just want to hear what, what uh, happened. And was uh, it always first sailing? time on stage, you know, the first few times it was just, I knew I was funny. I had the self-confidence and the fact that one thing for me, the audience doesn't make me. I, I don't get my affirmation from people laughing that like straight up my affirmation comes from God. Mm. So I'm not necessarily looking like, Oh, if they don't laugh, I'm, I want to, you know, destroy myself. Now there were times when they didn't laugh. I'm like, man, maybe I should quit. <laughs> 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 but it was like, I, I've, I've proven myself to myself and to others that I can make people laugh. But just when you get on stage, it's like driving a stick shift. Like you can drive a standard uh, or just an automatic car and you're good. You know how to drive. But then you get in that stick shift, you're like, whoa, what in the world is going on? That's what it's like getting on stage. It's mm -hmm. a completely different uh, level of comfort and science behind comedy when you're doing a stand-up. Yeah. So I, I think some argue that it can't, it can't be uh, taught. It's got to come very naturally. I don't know. I I struggle with that, which which one of those I land, probably because it comes fairly easy for me because I've just consistently worked at it. Wow. When was the first time you got on stage like that? It was probably it was probably around 1999, 2000, right, right before I got married. I actually bought my wife's engagement ring doing stand-up comedy. Wow. 19 years later, she's still married to me <laughs> and still is still wearing that same engagement ring. Boom, it must be working. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. So did you start out doing um, stand-up in like a secular arena or in churches or where did you start? Yeah, no. So I kind of did it the, I started in churches mm -hmm. and, but I just, I never wanted to be the church funny guy. I just, there are countless of pastors, preachers, people who, who've been in church all their lives and get up in front of church and tell jokes and it's very corny. Mm -hmm. And I never wanted to be able to, to be one of those corny co comedians or they're not, they're not funny enough. So some of them call themselves humorists, mm. not, no disrespect <laughs> to the humorists, <laughs> no disrespect at all, but I just didn't want to be those folks. I love stand up comedy and I love some of the greats that everybody knows. So I just, I wanted to emulate the art and the craft of stand-up comedy. Mm. So, but because I started in the churches, it was laughs came pretty easy uh, because they're not, the church is not used to funny people. So if you get up a focused funny person, they're like, he's funny, isn't he though? Like, shut up. That was not that funny. That was actually corny. Why did y'all laugh at that stupid joke? And that's why I started going to the clubs because in the clubs, they're like, 
you're not funny. Shut up. Get mm -hmm. off stage. <laughs> you got to be really good. Wow. That's interesting. So one of the things you said earlier, you said your affirmation comes from God, but I know just from being a communicator, right? That uh -huh. sometimes that's um, a struggle, even though I know where my grounding is. Mm -hmm. It feels good to get good reviews. It feels yeah. good when people laugh at your jokes or when yeah. people tell you that you're doing something important. So how do you separate that? How do you? Crazy, crazy, crazy thing. Okay, so this is when I try to, I try not to get too deep. So if if it goes a little bit boring right here, I just want to <laughs> forewarn you. Because we're talking about the science of Jason not feeling, not being broken by an <laughs> audience who's not laughing at him. There's this, uh, there's this Psalm, Psalm 144, where, I mean, 147, where it's talking about, uh, well, well, it's, I'll just, I'll skip to, I'll save you some, I'll save you the drama and just go to, it says, uh, God doesn't take the, God doesn't take the lights and the strength of a horse, nor the legs of man, but he delights in those who wait for his loving kindness and those who honor him. So there's this reality that no matter how strong your tools or your horses are, or no matter how, how strong your legs uh, or impressive your legs are, uh, if you, that's, that's figuratively, or if you're a supermodel, it depends on where you <laughs> want to go with that. But uh, God's not impressed by that. Mm. But what God is, God, what God likes is those who really, look for him and wait for him mm. so the, i look at the strength of the uh, the strength of a horse as my uh my my jokes my jokes are the the things that i ride on to uh to make people laugh and then my ability to maneuver them my my human abilities to whether it's to communicate or the lack thereof or my timing, my my insight, the the ability to manipulate words so that people can laugh. God's not impressed by that, and so I always just before I go on stage, like Lord, uh, you made me funny, but um, even if I'm nervous, like if they don't laugh, it's because you didn't allow them to. So that's me. So I'm just, yeah. I'm just hopefully you allow this to work like you consistently do and have shown with me. But if not, ultimately, I know if it, here, here's the thing, if a victory gets you super excited and a defeat gets you super bummed out, maybe you have an issue with pride or affirmation. Mm. If, if, if I have a great show and I can't say, whoa, did you see that? That's amazing. That's bringing me too much affirmation, my victory or if nobody laughs, everybody boos and throw beer bottles or tomatoes or whatever. They don't do that anymore. <laughs> but, but if they if they do that and that gets me down and out, then I'm relying too much, trying to get too much affirmation from from my audience, whether it's high or low. Mm -hmm. It's it shouldn't move me because mm -hmm. God is my consistent. I know that. Oh, that's. I know. I, I love it. <laughs> and I, I guess my follow-up question to that is, what if you are someone who struggles with that? What is the solution? Ooh, that is so good. Uh, and I would say, w w let's rephrase the question. What happened when, when I was there? 
when I was struggling with my faith, when I was questioning a lot of things. I think one, I, I think we should embrace those questions and that, that struggle. I, if God is who he say, says he is and who we understand him to be, God is not intimidated or insulted by our questions. Mm-hmm. And, and I believe the, the, the desire to understand or to question is not you being pushed away from God. I believe it's God drawing you in to a deeper level of understanding him and of maturity. So when you start having those questions, I always tell people, that's great. And people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, I'm, I don't know if God exists. I'm like, that's great that you're asking that. And they're like, <laughs> <laughs> you mean something not wrong with me? I'm, no, in fact, something's right with you. Because God's giving you a brain and he wants you to exercise it because he doesn't want you to be an autopilot person who just believe what everybody else believes. He wants you to grow deeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, um, did you grow up in a Christian home, Jason? Uh, how do you define Christian? <laughs> no, so <laughs> so I, 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 I grew up in a home where my parents consistently took me to church. My, my parents consistently um, set us down to pray with us. My parents consistently read the scripture with us and, and they had some biblical guidance. Uh, and, and sometimes, uh, so, so yes, sometimes it was great. Sometimes it was horrible. Um, like when I started questioning stuff, like I had, I remember, I never forget, I was in Sunday school class. If you don't know a Sunday school class, that's like when you go to church before church starts and you go into <laughs> a little classroom and they teach you. And I never forget, we were talking about the, uh, God being, uh, he, him always existing. And I was like, who do you mean God? Everything has a beginning. So you, how, what do you mean God has, God has no beginning and no ending? He's eternal past, eternal future. That makes absolutely zero sense. <laughs> I mean, and I never forget my dad came in, the, my dad came and pulled me out to Sunday school class. And I'm like, I know what you're doing. I was like, what? He like, you're trying to be funny. He thought that I was trying to trip my teacher up and ask some tough, tough questions, but I was really trying to seek and trying to gain understanding of how in the world does everything else have a beginning except for God. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad never came around to that. He was like, <laughs> you need, stop asking them questions. <laughs> but, but, but now, you know, now we talk about that and you know, he understand, he understands now that process that I was going through. Mm-hmm. So yes, I did grow up in a Christian home, yeah. but I just, I kind of don't like a lot of definitive terms sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it gets confusing. So when, when did you decide, I guess, uh, I wonder if this is a definitive term, but when did you decide that you really wanted to follow Jesus? I was smoking some weed, right? And uh, <laughs> this is for real. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's funny. Uh, I don't know if this is your audience. If your audience, I, like, oh, I want to hear it. Go ahead. I, I'm turning this podcast off. <laughs> you do it. Well, all right. So, okay. When I was when I was eight years old, first of all, no, I wasn't smoking weed when I was eight. Let me say okay. that. When I was eight years old, I was outside playing and randomly went in the house, and I realized that that I I was imperfect, and that that here's here's this thing that we call the gospel. Here's the gospel. Gospel means good news. Uh, mm-hmm. 
And so in order to have good news, you've got to have bad news. So I recognize at eight years old, the bad news about Jason. That was that Jason was imperfect and that Jason needed, couldn't fix his imperfections. Uh, I understood, I understood that uh, my doing wrong was like being dirty and me trying to fix my wrongdoing was like washing up with dirty soap. The more I try to get myself clean, the dirtier I get. That's what, that's what life is. It's no one can cleanse their own soul, regardless of how hard you try. And I recognize that Jesus died so that I can be cleansed from this wrongdoing, from this unrighteousness. So I randomly, as a little kid, went in my house downstairs in, a, in, in the bathroom, put the toilet seat down like, dear Lord, save me. Uh, <laughs> as a little kid. And then I, I went to Sunday school there, Sunday school again. The next, that Sunday, the Sunday school teacher was like, uh, man, you got to confess your sins. And then you ask Jesus to save. Y'all like, well, I guess I'm not saved then. <laughs> <laughs> so then I, I just, one day I, I actually got in trouble for laughing at a, at a uh, inappropriate joke that one of my brother's um, friends said. My mother found out and said, boy, you laughed at when he said that? I'm like, yes, ma'am. She said, Jason, that is not right. You shouldn't laugh at anything like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I went into my room. I'm like, dear God, I'm a sinner. I just, I'm, I do wrong. And please forgive me for all my sins. And I accept Jesus as my savior mm-hmm. at eight years old. But, and then puberty, puberty hit. <laughs> and I just saw, I didn't see any cool Christians. Mm. It's like, man, every, so at our church, in our, in our community, every person who was really a follower of Jesus committed were married, were, were married and the only, the only people who were single were like these young 20-year-old dude, dudes. I'm around 12. <laughs> and I'm like, if that's what being a Christian and not married looks like, I don't want to be like them. Hmm. they're not married because nobody wants to marry these dudes. Like they, this was before skinny jeans were in. I'm like, they wear tight <laughs> pants. This is like, they wear tight khakis and walk around saying, praise the Lord all the time. I'm like, ah, no, yeah. you know, I, I want to be cool. I want some, well, swagger wasn't a word then. And so I kind of just, because I wanted this relevance in my life, I kind of walked away from it. And then I got to college and one day was, was high on some paraphernalia. <laughs> and so, and I, I was doing some evaluations of my life. And this is, this is really funny, but it, it's, it's so true. My friend's dorm uh, roommate had a strobe light in his dorm. <laughs> so I'm high as a kite. And I look at that, do- that strobe light and it reminds me of the light I was like, man, that looks like the light in the Blues Brothers. I don't know if you've seen Blues Brothers, the movie. I don't know. My husband oh, has, I'm my sure. goodness. This is a classic. So, so the Blues Brothers were, were a band. They went to jail. One of them got out of jail. He went to church with James Brown. James Brown was the pastor. And he saw a light, you know, in the back of the, uh, behind the choir, and it was like God told him to get the band back together. Funny, it's a classic movie. So I'm, 
you know, years later, I'm in this dorm room and I see this stroke. Like that, that's like the light on the blues brothers when they heard the Lord tell them to get the band back together. And as soon as I thought that, <laughs> the Lord, I felt the Lord speak to my heart like, you need to get yourself together. I was like, what? I'm tripping, man. What in the world was in this weed? I'm tripping. <laughs> what did they give me? And uh, sure enough, I couldn't shake it. It was like, you need to get your, it's time for you to get your life together. I was like, okay. All right. It's clear. I know based off of your standard that I'm living foul. I know I need to get my life together. But why? And then the voice in my heart said, because I want you to preach. I was like, oh, Lord, I know I'm tripping now. Wow. <laughs> and my friends saw me. They're like, Jason, what's wrong? I'm like, man, this weed is tripping. I need to go. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I went back. I went back to my dorm room. And uh, I, was, I prayed. I was like, Lord, okay. I know I need to get my life right. I'm not going to preach. But I know it's clear that I need to get my life together. <laughs> And uh, but so Lord, I'm gonna follow you, but I'm not gonna stop smoking weed. I'm gonna tell you that. <laughs> and uh, and I brought it to you know, so people started you know, when when the church don't teach you about weed, you fall into any lot. Cause my, my friend was like, "That's right, brother, cause weed's from the earth." You know what I'm saying? If God didn't want you to smoke it, He wouldn't have put it here. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, you know what you're right." So <laughs> I started I started praying over my weed. I did. Cause I was like, I was really had a sincere heart. I was sincerely starting to follow, follow Jesus. And I was like, mm -hmm. uh, so weed was just a part of it. And I would just like you pray over your food. I was like, Lord, thank you for this weed. I'm about to see. <laughs> <laughs> so not kidding. And then one day my brother was like, dude, you crazy. I just want you to know you crazy. You praying over your weed. And I went to church and the pastor like, you got some Christians right here. Who smoke weed? I was like. <laughs> and then I was like, Lord, teach me. Like, if this stuff is wrong, like, teach me why I shouldn't do it. Mm -hmm. Now, I know there's some medical stuff. I'm not getting yeah. into that. But just that that recreational purpose. I was like, the Lord just like, Jason, if everything from the earth was good and meant for your consumption, smoke some poison ivy, see what happened. <laughs> I was like, oh, snap. Ah! <laughs> So that, so then I, I realized, and I admitted that day, and it was this was probably the realest prayer that I ever prayed. I was like, Lord, I, I know, I know I'm just using this as an excuse to do something that, that doesn't benefit you and my relationship with you. Uh, that and um, this other uh, intimate uh, activity with the opposite sex. <laughs> And I was like, Lord, please teach me why not to do those things. Help me. Mm. One day, one day I know that I'm gonna live my life for you. But right now, I don't want to. I was straight up. I was like, I don't want to. Please put it inside me to want to do what's right. Please put it inside mm. me to want to love you right now and teach me how to stop doing this stuff. Cause I don't want to stop. I like doing it. And which I did. Mm -hmm. So And did he take that desire from you? Which one? Not <laughs> Both not <laughs> I well, got six, you got married, I got six, you got six kids. kids. You can figure that part out. <laughs> uh, yeah, so again, it was, I probably stumbled a couple of more times with the, with the, with the weed thing, I think, just because of that, the philosophical difference that I had. And it, it, took, it took some friends of mine who weren't on the same path 
but they were like, dude, you, you ain't no different than us. You trying to do different, but everything that we doing, you doing, mm-hmm. you need, if you for real, cause th- these dudes grew up in church too. And, uh, once, and it was a, it was a, it was a check for me. One of my friends is like, you ain't that serious, dude. Look at you saying mm-hmm. that you trying to follow the Lord, dude. You, <laughs> and he walked, he got a ball, he got a basketball and walked out of the dorm room. And I was like, dang, he right. He's showing up right. And I went and told my friends, like, you know what? Y'all know how I'm trying to live. And uh, I've, I've been a bad example in front of y'all. And, uh, and we just had some real, real good conversations. I'm like, I need to stop because this is a, it's not helping people grow in their relationship with the Lord. And uh, it's not benefiting me. I was just, I really like getting high because I was got to get, get, get with my friends and we just joked. Yeah. And act like we talking deep. I don't know if you ever, that, that's been part of your life, but, <laughs> but people do that stuff and try to act all deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, why go to school and get an education when you're gonna die anyway? Like, like what? You know, I never smoked weed, but I had um, friends that did. And uh, I was around them sometimes when they did. And actually one of them- So you, never- I'm just playing, you didn't inhale, that's what you're saying. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> Well, they didn't, they didn't light up in front of me, but yeah. I was around them after they were. And, um, you know, one of them ended up getting schizophrenia, actually. Um, and I've always wondered if it was kind of induced from uh, the pot smoking. And then another one, uh, I had a big crush on him. We had this on again, off again relationship. And yeah. I think we had uh, some interesting talks when he was high. So anyway, crazy? I'm yeah, not a huge it's, fan. <laughs> it's really uh, the, the Greek word is pharmakia. Uh, translation mind altering that's yeah that's what that's that that that's what makes it wrong i love i love what you shared though because um i I truly believe coming to the lord is a journey you know none of us are perfect and it's Uh, up and down kind of thing and lately um I wanted to word this right. So life can feel overwhelming at times. And lately it's kind of been feeling a little overwhelming for a lot of people. I yes. think for various reasons. Woo! Some of us, Come some on. universal reasons. So how in the world do you find humor in those moments and remember where your joy comes from? The reality is sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. as as you saw in the video that kind of w- you were introduced to me, uh, I when I was recording that video, I was saying, "Be funny, Jason. Be funny, Jason." And I was like, "I can't, I can't." Yeah. <laughs> and my mom's like, "I can't. Where's the funny? I can't find it. I cannot find it." Uh, but the, I think the reality is, it's it's one part of it is a giftedness that I just see life different, and mm-hmm. I'm able to pull out some of the positive and funny things uh, and and just leaning into that, embracing it. Uh, whether it's sometimes you got to know when to go public with the uh, with the comedic insight that you see. So, <laughs> so people won't give you the infamous too soon. <laughs> uh, but it's, you know, it, it it's really about you learning that there's there's this phrase that says uh we god gives us beauty for ashes uh and so regardless of how burnt something is there's always something beautiful inside of it and the question is are you in touch with the beauty from the creator 
where you can recognize it instead of being overwhelmed by the burntness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you do when you're still feeling burnt? Hey, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Uh, no, it's what, which, what we got to understand. One is uh, being burnt is a part of life. Mm-hmm. It's you can't ignore that. It's it's be present as as I have. My, my wife is black. And um, so we have our children are are white. I'm just playing. Uh, <laughs> So we have we have we have six black children, and as we've been walking through some of the, just the difficulty things that we always have to walk through whenever uh, a black man is is murdered or a black woman is murdered, um, you know we've just been talking through those things. And my son, my oldest son, responded to my middle child, middle son. I asked him how they doing, and my my middle son said, you know, honestly, I'm not feeling anything about the George Floyd deal. And my son looked at him like, what? I was like, relax. Don't, don't, you can't make him feel down and you can't make him feel up. How he feels is how he feels. Mm. And, I, and, and I think that's now, granted, he hadn't seen the video. He didn't know how horrible this thing was. And I use that for an example, not to take it that way. That's not my intent at all. It's, but to your question is, when you feeling burnt, embrace feeling burnt like why are you feeling burnt here what's making you feel burnt why why do you feel burnt again how do you react when you get burnt you take all those things and that's really the process of starting to find the beauty because Mm -hmm. there are some consistencies that all of us have when we experience difficult times and that's that's where the growth starts to happen yeah yeah i love that and I feel like it's important that we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice, right? So at what point do you start rejoicing and move from that? Do you think it's different for everybody? I know that your heart is really to um, be a unifier and to help people laugh. So at what point is it not too soon to be like, you know what, we got to throw some praise music on or just like have some joy? That's a great question. Uh, I think it's, some would say instinctive. Some others would say Mm spirit-led. Some others would say uh, just using wisdom. And what a great comedian does is learn how to read the audience. When I'm in front of an audience doing stand-up, I don't keep an audience. The goal isn't keep an audience up high all the time. There have, there have to be some low moments so that they can appreciate the car punches where they laugh. Hmm. And so, and that's life is. Sometimes life is punched and it's all punchlines and everything is funny, but then sometimes they're, they're setups for the punches. And so when we're going through those setups, it's important, even for those who are not funny, how you ruin a joke is too much setup. So I'm going to pause right there. Ironically, right after Jason said, the way you ruin a joke is too much setup. (laughs) Um, The platform we were using, the internet connection changed or something and we were interrupted. So it's a natural break in our conversation. 
And in a couple days, I will share part two of this uh, talk that we had. And you don't want to miss it, friend. It's pretty fun. So stay tuned. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast, and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. You're telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, and a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.